The Very Serious Crafts Podcast is now on Patreon. Head on over to patreon.com seriouscrafts to support our podcast and get early access to episodes, find out about our unfiltered Patreon-only off-week episodes, and more. You're listening to the Very Serious Crafts Podcast. We're very serious crafters, and we craft very serious crafts. Very serious. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, and welcome to Season 3, Episode 19 of the Very Serious Crafts Podcast. I'm Haley from Red Handled Scissors and the Bones and Bobbins Podcast. And I'm Heidi from Hands Occupied. And I'm Molly from Wild Olive. Today, we will be talking about carpet singing, continental knitting, and poisonous crafting. I don't even know what that is. And I'm not doing the poisonous crafting. That's true. (laughs) That's true. Although, I I will say that, um, as I imagine most listeners have sorted out, I have two podcasts. And... (laughs) One of them is a bit creepier than than this one. They're they're both crafting related, but uh, I have been listening to an audiobook while working as part of research for my other podcast uh, about H. H. Holmes and his murder castle. And so yesterday, after about eight hours straight of murder castle. I suddenly went into carpet makers and singing in Northern Africa. And the whiplash, let me tell you. It's <laughs> like, what even is my. Oh, I, yeah, okay. <laughs> so, I, yeah. So, obviously, carpet singing will be you today. <laughs> oh, yes, th- that is me. <laughs> That's I like funny. it. Oh, I like goodness. it. Uh, yeah. So, uh, what's up with you guys? Um, well, actually, <laughs> whenever we record this podcast, we have these like notes that are kind of an outline of what we're going to say, and we often record, like, write them down ahead of time in some fashion, even if it's usually in my case ten minutes before we sit down. Uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> hey, a plan um, is a plan. <laughs> yeah. Um, but my plan was to say that I was hoping you'd be able to order my book by the time you heard this. But right before we recorded, I think Molly or Haley refreshed yeah. the page on my publisher's website and it was ready to go. So Molly. I'm a published author. Yep. <laughs> Buy my book. The page, in the I ordered the book. <laughs> Huzzah! So that's terribly exciting oh, and something not so trash to happen in 2020. Yay! Yeah! <laughs> and Buy my book, it's $12.99. <laughs> It's a dollar a pattern. <laughs> See, when you when you look at books that way, mm-hmm. you realize that that's a really good deal. It's a dollar a pattern and then 99 cents for 16 pages of guides on how to do latch hook from start to finish. I'm just saying it was a lot of work that I didn't have to do for that 99 cents of instruction. I love you all <laughs> and latch hook. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And also the patterns are awesome. Yeah. So thank you. Yeah, you should uh, you should go buy the book. It's, Thank it's, you. It's yeah. really it's really really fun. And uh, well, I mean, obviously, we got to see 
some sneak peeks of projects months ago so we've been <laughs> eagerly awaiting these you got but, a front uh, row seat to the um emotional roller coaster that you are both familiar with that is writing a manuscript well <laughs> which it's a thing. is a roller coaster yeah for yeah and, sure and making all of the things also yeah. a roller coaster so hey you know but now it's like it's an actual book it's real. Yeah, isn't it <laughs> yeah. so weird when it like when you have the physical book in your hand and then it's an object that exists yes. in the world? Uh-huh. Well, and then and because like, yeah. Oh, but then because oh, of the it. pandemic, it was like delayed 3 months. Like it was supposed to be like they emailed me manuscript out like within like a total of 6 months. Yeah. Um so admittedly I didn't mind having a little more runway to like prepare for releasing the book but then I had the book and you couldn't oh, yeah. google it anywhere and uh yeah so that was a little bit exciting but we made it <laughs> yeah <We did> it. <laughs> yay it's yeah it, nothing ever goes to plan when ever. writing a book ever <laughs> ever ever <laughs> it has never once happened there's so many places that things could go off <laughs> yeah I want to hear, though, Molly, about your thingy. It sounds okay. really exciting. So I, I would say that I don't know if this is a result of the pandemic or not. It may have been. But I uh, the, the, the way it happened ended up uh, pandemic-influenced uh, anyway. So I... <laughs> what an influencer. I know. <laughs> I did. I, I presented a lecture via Zoom for a quilt guild. I love and, it. And... Uh, yeah, so that that was a thing. Definitely, I went from, like, trying to avoid video-related anything. Like, I still sometimes have calls with my dear friend, and we don't turn on our cameras because they're, we still get, like, into that, that zone, which is funny. But to now presenting a, a whole lecture via video, uh, yeah. Pretty cool. So it That's was... That's awesome. The, the weirdest part, though, is... Because of how Zoom works, they basically the the guild says, well, we they have we have everyone mute so that you can present and not have all the extra sounds or distractions, etc. Oh, but and nobody go is good at that. It just it meant There's that always like, that one person. Well, no, they well no, they had an administrator who mutes everyone. They like they it's like a classroom. Them. Oh, yes, exactly. Nice. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Okay, um, but it means that. You don't hear any response to what you're saying. So if you are trying to be funny, you don't know if it landed or not. You don't know <laughs> if, people, if anything is like resonating so with awkward. people. And so you, I was watching, oh, just trying to watch faces. Yeah, but I was, so I'm trying to like talk and watch faces for some kind of response. And it was just, that was a little bit of, that was the awkward part of it. But yeah. I think it went well. You would have to uh, ask the Pieces from the Heart Quilt Guild to know for sure. Uh, yeah, so. I'm sure you were delightful. Uh, to to Quilt Guild members, if you are listening, I hope you enjoyed my lecture and that I wasn't a complete disappointment to you all. So. Oh, <laughs> oh I assure you that I you were fine. I was super like, <laughs> okay, here I go. <laughs> but anyway, but no, that it was stuff is so scary. Even you know, if you even if it's people that you know and love and yeah, like Yeah, and 
like one of the people who actually recommended me to do the lecture has done my stitching clubs. Mm-hmm. So even though we, I had never officially met her, it felt like having a friendly face because yeah. she was there and she brought her, you know, one of her projects that she made. And so that was, yeah. that was that. But otherwise, yeah, it was just a bunch of people I didn't know. So, <laughs> but it was fun and it was a cool thing to do, especially in the middle of all of this. You just like wouldn't expect to be like, oh yeah, just do a lecture because that's <laughs> not what I was planning on doing this year, but there it is. So you were talking about the, um, the, was- like Kwai Crossing, or uh, however was, that is pronounced. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was actually talking about a combining embroidery and English paper piecing. Oh, and, okay. so um, just generally, about, but yep. what what you're doing? Yeah, and in your... because like I would say less than half of them had ever done embroidery, and less than half of them had ever done English paper piecing. Very so, surprising to me. Yeah, I know I, so, on both accounts. Yeah, but. I mean, honestly, my favorite part was when someone who was probably at the older end of their age spectrum in this quilt guild Mm -hmm. asked about learning about embroidery for the very first time. And I thought, I love that. Like, that's that's the life I want to live where all throughout my entire life, I'm always willing to learn a new skill and Mm -hmm. and jump in. So that was really nice. Anyway, my favorite class that I have ever taught was a crochet class, like a beginner crochet class to people who were my grandmother's age. Yeah. And like it was a group of friends who had signed up together to do this thing. I love it. And I, this is when I was, I don't know, much younger, probably a decade ago. Um, But so here's like, barely 30s me (laughs) and um or maybe not even 30s me and at this table filled with people that I felt like they should be teaching me yeah and oh it was so much fun yeah like that yeah Mm -hmm. so anyway that's that yeah good job Molly (laughs) and good job to you both on all of your Publishing endeavors and, <laughs> and, and bones and bobbins podcasting with then switching gears and all of that so yeah we've all been busy this year it has yeah. been a very busy year even though it also feels gone. like i've accomplished nothing <laughs> you know what i mean i think that's yes. the new normal that yeah. Is, yeah. that itself is the new normal <laughs> yep oh my goodness but before we jump into talking about other things that are not the pandemic. Um, yeah. We want to give a shout out to all our serious friends of the Very Serious Crafts podcast who are supporting us at patreon.com slash serious crafts. We appreciate every single one of you. Yes, we do. We do. Yes. Thank you. So, you guys know how uh, last podcast I may have mentioned that I got scrapbook supplies and... I don't remember if I did some ranting, but I may have. You you (laughs) mentioned that this was not normal for you. (laughs) No. Uh, So I have actually used them now. Oh, boy. I'm sort of in this fit of, you know, some people get a spring cleaning bug. I get it in the fall. I get that. That makes sense. It's, I think, because I loved the school year 
mm-hmm. starting so much yeah. and all of the new things properly organized, all, like setting up my locker, all of the things. Um, so I still get that. And so I have had these two ring binders with like photo inserts that have been badly holding just a bunch of stuff. I mean, half of it I just didn't know what to do with and threw it in there. Like, it it was a mess. And so, because I am in get-rid-of-all-the-things mode at the moment, I was like, all right, I'm going to tackle these two ring binders. And, like, once and for all, get things sorted by, like, time period and people or events or whatever and so I did and I I threw away probably half of the things in there because they were mysterious to me Um, (laughs) (laughs) mysterious yes and so then I went through and just did the thing. I didn't do anything fancy. I just put things in the scrapbook in general order and decided how I was going to do letters and like things that were not the same size as the scrapbook pages mm-hmm. and or things that were double-sided. And it was very soothing. I and I have to tell you, I'm bad at it. Like, so it it didn't occur to me because I had been using a ring binder before mm-hmm. that I needed to spread things out a little more. Okay. So, like, I have, like, some pamphlets or letters or things all related to a trip that I may have put in the same envelope and so it closes oh yes but it doesn't do so well (laughs) um but that's okay because i put it between two really big dictionaries so are you pressing (laughs) your scrapbook like a flower right now i I am yeah well this is i just compressing the objects (laughs) within well see now you've basically described the smash book scrapbook style which comes with you get like these giant oversized rubber bands that you put around it because the idea is you make them like so you smash everything inside these books and then it's like all like I like, remember that. Re- you from... know, like, it gets to where it doesn't really close anymore, but that's sort of the idea. <laughs> I remember that from, like, CHA maybe a decade or so ago. Yeah, that, they like, still... they were big. Yeah. Like, really big. Everybody had one. Yeah. Um, um, my sister has one. I think you still occasionally find... I think you can still get stuff for them. They had a really cool, uh, like, giveaway. <laughs> I... And I remember this because I liked it so much. It was a pen on one side and adhesive on the oh, other, yes. I think. Cool. Yes. Um, and, oh, I loved that thing. It was so cool. It was, 
it was purple, and that is not even a color that I enjoy, and I still <laughs> thought it was the coolest thing. But, uh, yeah, so that happened, and I, I just need to share with you a very early Haley DIY that I found that I'm really not sure how it ended up in that book, or <laughs> in the binder to begin with. There is a gigantic, like, yard size, like, s- marquee sign that I made for a dog show. What? I, okay. <laughs> I don't know how old I was, but it was with, well, I guess it was with my my dog who died when we were both 16, so that doesn't really narrow it down. But it was old enough that I spelled my next door neighbor's name wrong. And like she grew up with me. So I would have relatively early done that. And there was like an addition of my best friend's name because apparently she must have walked down the street um, to join this dog show. And it was just my dog who was... a very, very rotund Labrador Retriever. <laughs> um, yellow Labrador Retriever. Uh, failing to jump through hoops, if I remember correctly. Oh. Um, I mean, she was pleased. Whatever. <laughs> and, like, me walking her around the yard on a leash. Very, very seriously. But this banner is was in the scrapbook and I have no idea where it came from or how it got in there because this is something I put together when I lived in New York already. Mm-hmm. And this, I would have been like maybe eight, seven, hmm. like first or second grade probably. Yeah. <laughs> did, uh, did your mom sneak it in on one of her visits? Almost certainly. Because <laughs> that's the only thing I can think of. And it's so fragile that I, because it's like really old, thin craft paper. Mm-hmm. And so I can't open it all the way. So I can't even see the full glory. But there are definitely drawings mm-hmm. of my dog. Bad drawings. Um, <laughs> anyway, so that was my favorite thing. And now I have tried out the scrapbook supplies and I enjoyed myself even though I'm not good at it. I like I, that though. Yeah. I That's I an like important that thing as a professional crafter to do regularly, yeah. I think. Well, I just feel like I now have things organized and it's not stressful to look at the book anymore, like even yeah. if it isn't uh as spread out as I would like it to be, like whatever, then I'll just keep doing it not spread out, and then it'll all be the same. <laughs> and it won't drive me crazy. But now I have a specific place to put those things and a specific order in which to put them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that I just find that to be really satisfying, even though I didn't do any decorating. I didn't do any... I mean, I think I used some round colored stickers that Mm -hmm. came with it to hold some things in place but it didn't need to be to make it functional and really pleasing to me so Mm -hmm. anyway 
That's exciting. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, the kind of crafting I've been doing recently that has nothing to do with yarn. I know. Surprise, surprise. And it's not flowers. It's not flowers. I don't know what's even happening. I mean... <laughs> Wait, are none of us talking about flowers today? Mm. I mean... No. I might well, I mean, wink I at them. I did refer you to might them. wink at them. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. But yeah. I have a bad habit of risking um, self-poisoning... <laughs> <laughs> for the sake of crafting with vintage craft supplies. <laughs> yeah, so we, yeah. we have recorded this particular habit. Yeah. Yep. Uh, about, I guess, coming up on a year ago, yeah. I was trying mm-hmm. to make a vintage sweater with vintage yarn, and I was so excited because I got a whole I'm sweater. Sorry. To, a whole sweater <laughs> quantity. <laughs> um, you probably saved my, like, physical body. Um, so it's it's all right. I didn't need neurotoxins in my system from I vintage yarn soul, right before a pandemic. Body. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but if you want to hear me real, coming to this realization live on the podcast, it's somewhere at the end of season two. Yeah. <laughs> um, lol. And it's in our best of episode. Anyway, so that is the old story of how I nearly poisoned myself doing crafts. And for the record, I've never touched that yarn since that podcast because I wrote a book in the meantime and it's just yep. been easier to leave it. In a gallon bag in the back of my studio. Whatever. <laughs> Bye, yarn. It's fine. But now I've been playing with um remember how I was really into wanting to play with glass cutting um yeah. earlier this year or this pandemic, I guess. Yeah. As if there's been Same one thing. regularly in my life. <laughs> Lol. Um <laughs> But I came up with a new I've I've discovered a new vintage crafting supply that I am mm-hmm. very obsessed with to the point of I, in the course of the last two weeks, would describe myself as an accidental collector already of this item. Uh Uh-oh. There are these things you can find on, like, you know, any vintage website, like an eBay or an Etsy. um, And they are vintage um, ceramic stickers. So you would buy these decals that you would soak in water very similarly to a temporary tattoo. And the paper backing they come on soaks off in about 30 seconds, depending on how old and, like, busted they've gotten and how much sun they've been in for the last however many decades. Um, But you basically soak them off like a temporary tattoo, and they're designed to go on ceramic, like a mug or a plate, so you can, like, design your own china. Oh, cool. But they're terribly beautiful on other kinds of glass as well, because there's a lot of, like, just picture, like, a china pattern with any sort of beautiful floral from the 40s. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of, these were made up into the seventies too. So I found some really, really beautiful, like watercolor and line drawing looking ones and they come in all different sizes. I hadn't either. And you can also get different sizes because the idea was like, you can do your own tea set or whatever. Um, but I like playing with different sizes of the same pattern because they're kind of hard to find together in a set. If you like the like vintage and antiquing hunt aspect. Yep. But they're Ooh, but I've been putting them on some of my glass bottles together, and I'm really enjoying like combining the sizes and stuff. It's really fun. So is yeah. it like an ink transfer, or is it like um like an iron on transfer where there's a clear background? So there's a clear background. Um, they're called water slide decals because oh, they okay detach yeah. from the paper and slide off. Um, but the the problem oh, with these old okay. things is they a lot of times the plastic thing that they're on is very brittle. Um, and so I've had a fu- some of them basically just disintegrate because you put them in water. But right. if you can get them to disintegrate onto a glass or ceramic surface, 
Ooh, and, sure. and like get the right amount of water. Yeah. And it's a lot like placing any kind of vinyl sticker. The key is no bubbles, no yeah. folds. Um, but the but over but what I've on the few bl- glass bottles I've experimented with so far, um, it seems like that the the decal basically almost fuses with the glass, and then mm. you can also fire them if you have a oh. kiln for a more permanent attachment. Oh, I so, wonder if they're like acrylic. Um, they say that they're actually ceramic, and that they've some of them on the labels say that they've been fired already. Oh my goodness! Cool. I don't really so understand cool. how it works. And what that, like, how, like, I don't understand how they accomplish this, because they come on, like, paper, and they just look like they're printed off like stickers. I'm about to go down a rabbit hole. Basically, though, because a lot of them, I mean, I've gotten some as old as the 30s, mm-hmm. um, cool. and, you, and they were still being made in the 80s and 90s. They just all looked like puffy paint sweatshirt designs that I don't... Charming. Particularly. <laughs> they're not, that's not really my, my era. Because I remember that from my yeah. childhood. <laughs> yeah, we were there. I don't need a goose and a teddy bear on oh, these gosh, projects that yeah. I'm making. You sure, know? Oh, sure. Um, it just makes me think of my mom's kitchen. Very, yeah. I, I'm very Midwestern. The goose, um, yeah. Anyway, so sorry. I am so bad at talking to getting to the point today. But the point is that some of these old ones, they have um, warnings on the packaging if they're dead stock in the original packaging that say certain colors may present risk of lead or cadmium poisoning. Um, yeah. So they're like, don't put yeah. these dish stickers on anything you're going to eat out of. <laughs> yeah, that was what I was going to ask. Like, presumably, <laughs> the, the the idea should be that they are, are cynical green, but yeah, mm-hmm. they are not. They're not. Yeah. Well, there's right. some really pretty colors, though. <laughs> <laughs> we actually did on Bones and Bobbin say deadly colors. Mm-hmm. Uh, I need to listen to that episode. Yeah. And um, talking about. Um, Shields green, which was arsenic green that killed everybody. I um, actually just bought a green vintage bottle on Etsy, and I also need to buy an at-home lead testing kit so I can learn how to test this stuff, because I don't want to yeah. die because I'm making cute bottles because they don't hurt my arthritis hands. <laughs> I mean, you aren't going to die if you do it with gloves on. I'm not going to, like, suck on it. You know, I'm not going to, like, lick the decal. You're not going to lick the Lead just existing in the world, unless you're talking about, like, paint flaking off into particles. Yeah, and I don't have kids in my house. Exactly. So, but that's really funny. The Oh, you know what? I just, I looked it up, and I recognize some of these. So, maybe when I was, like, I recognize some of the 80s ones. So maybe mm-hmm. when I was a little, little kid, I did some. Do There's they, some or... also that were made, especially in like the, I think the 30s through the 50s. Um, you'll probably even have seen this at antique stores, like baby cradles or doll furniture that it looks yes. like there's just like this little faded sticker on. Yep. It's a, it, They're a lot like those, but those are made for like decoupaging onto furniture. Right. And that these was... are for glass. Exactly oh, what I was cool. thinking of because mm-hmm. um, we have like old like doll furniture that have some of those and it's like, like a little the cute blue little teddy, teddy bear, bear. That's faded. Exactly. that yeah. was exactly I was yeah. blue teddy bear is exactly <laughs> where I was going. That's we have so a high funny. chair, yep, like in our family that a wooden high chair. Yeah, there's gobs of these that stuff yep. on it that probably is deeply poisonous. You are wearing gloves though, right? I will. i don't remember if cad well yeah because cadmium red was 
often used in painting, but also cosmetics. And you know I've ordered red decals, obviously, by now. So there's a lot of roses and strawberries. They're so cute. Yeah. yeah. Well, cadmium red wouldn't have been available much past World War II. Okay. Most of these are, I, I would say the sweet spot I'm finding stickers from is 40s and late 60s. Okay. At least I don't think. But the 60s were a wild time. Anyway. Uh, yeah, so. <laughs> Sorry, I'm very excited about these decals, you guys. I'm uh, really excited okay, about yeah. them, too. Yeah. Wear it's... gloves. I will. I will. <laughs> um, all right. So while possible poison is coming for you, Heidi, the thing that has been <laughs> trying to get me uh, in its grips is quilling. Because I talked about it a few podcast episodes ago. And Instagram started showing me an ad for a quilling tool. And I was like, what? And I hadn't been talking about it, but it showed it to me anyway, which is even scarier. Uh, I hate it when Instagram reads your mind. Yeah. I end up with more t-shirts that way. Yeah. But then I, I was on the website Flickr, which I still use back Mm -hmm. Back in the olden days, we used Flickr a lot. Anyway, <laughs> but someone had posted a picture of a, like a screenshot of a game called Paper Mingle, and it's an app, and it's all of the like graphics to go with it are by, and now I didn't like write down her name to make sure that I got it right, uh, but it was Yulia, um, I can't remember her last name now, shoot, I'm a bad researcher. I was so sure that I would remember this. Anyway, she's a brilliant quilling artist that I talked about the last time that we talked about quilling. Anyway, so of course I had to download this app. I don't need another app in my life, but I did. And (laughs) I was slightly disappointed that the premise of the app is not that you actually quill in the app, but it's one of those like slide like drag the little things together to make matches and you know they combine but basically they start as little quilled rings and then when you put them together it becomes a bigger quilled ring until as you do this it grows into different designs but the graphics even though the the idea of the app isn't my idea of a real fun game or or thing i've played a few rounds of it but the the graphics in the app are just gorgeous. It includes yeah. sketches and photos of, of her quilling. And uh, yeah, so I, it wasn't what I hoped for, but it is in That's fact, cool, the idea is it's a quilling themed app that you can get in the Google Play Store or the, the App Store um, for your Apple device. And I was just like, well, that's really cool that... And that they reached out and had this, you know, probably one of the top quilling artists in the world, if that that's is really a thing, cool. uh, design it. So anyway. Oh, I it's just definitely thought, a thing. I think. I I've mean, seen some amazing, amazing yeah. quilled art. Quilled? Yeah. I, quilled? I'm not yeah. sure if that's. Yeah. I think quilled. Um, anyway. That's so I just kind had of to, cool. I just had to share that, like. Literally within days of each other, I was presented with multiple quilling things again. And I was like, hmm, okay, universe. But <laughs> uh, did you, would you say you manifested this quilling content? 
Uh, People keep telling me I'm manifesting things, and I was like, I worked really hard, if that's what that means. I, <laughs> uh, I, sometimes. I don't know that I did either of those things in this case, yeah. but at any rate, that. I want to manifest a pizza. That's what I want next, <laughs> is pizza. Ooh, now I want pizza. <laughs> okay, um... <laughs> Molly, is there anything else you want to tell us about quilling? No. Nope. The quilling is done. <laughs> okay. All right. I'm all out of... I'm such a weirdo, guys. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I don't know. So, now I'm going to tell you about the thing that gave me topic whiplash oh. between Murder Castle and beautiful cultural expression. Um, so I didn't know this and maybe you guys had heard of it, but I didn't know that there was a cultural tradition in parts of Northern Africa for singing patterns while weaving carpets. I know. I did not know this. And... I also had not, um, but a PhD candidate named Mehdi Aminan, or sorry, Aminan, is studying at the Austrian Academy of Sciences in Vanishing Language and Cultural Heritage. And I will link to the site with the whole project, but... They are researching and doing documentary filmmaking about these different traditions in different areas of carpet making and singing. And it's really, really cool. The first one that I found... Uh, hold on. It, it has a name, actually. It's um, Nakshe Kani. That is what pattern singing okay. is, act- is called in, I believe, Persian. Um, but the first video that I saw of it was of Persian carpet makers in Iran and they're singing, but it it doesn't sound to me that immediately musical until you sort of sit back and just let it wash over you. And then you can start feeling the pattern, if that makes sense. Oh, cool. And, like, it's really interesting and... There are, I think, three different videos that this person made. And in one of them, two older women are working together, and usually one of one or the other of them sings the pattern. And it's they speak of it as doing that to like soothe their nerves or keep their nerves from unraveling uh, and i like that, I like that. yeah mm-hmm. and yeah and i 
I think that was their joke, not mine. Uh, but I could be wrong. It's <laughs> a good one. <laughs> a, yeah. But it's just so interesting. And they there is part of the video where a woman explains with like a gridded pattern how the song functions and like the different it, there's like a whole grammar of it oh, and wow. how you would know like what goes in front what goes in back and how many different colors or how many stitches of different colors i guess stitches is is that he, the correct I, weaving term uh yeah. it, i think so i think that's correct I feel like I've at least heard that term, that mm-hmm. terminology sure. used for that. Before. Yes, stitch is what I've heard. I think the most like sumac stitch. Yeah. So Perhaps they um, these are memorized songs, and they're also they're done in the form of storytelling. That's really cool. Oh, wow. And so though they might not necessarily sound immediately melodic, there are captions on these videos so you can actually read the translation of the story that they're telling yeah Mm -hmm. and i just i think it's lovely and there are different traditions in different areas and so the first one i saw was um persian pattern make uh or rather persian carpet makers in iran uh, but there's also a Kerman video that is that sounds really similar to the Iranian one. But there's also separately a tradition of nomadic women just singing well weaving carpets and singing traditional songs. And yeah. so that also has an interesting, seemingly connected rhythm to it. Yeah. But it's not the storytelling with the colors and the movements that is happening in, say, the Persian carpet weaving. Mm-hmm. And so I actually was in North Africa in high school uh, at the... I think after my senior year and got to meet some nomadic carpet weavers in Morocco. And so I did not know anything about carpet weaving at the time. And I definitely like this was before my days as a very serious crafter. Yes. (laughs) Um, But I remember that there was what I thought was talking, like a lot of talking at the time, but nobody seemed to be looking at each other. Mm-hmm. And so I wonder if that's what it was, because they were definitely making carpets mm-hmm. and definitely vocalizing in a rhythmic way. Yeah. But I don't... I don't remember well enough because I didn't know to pay attention at the time, but it was, I think that maybe I got to witness it in person 
And it's one of those things that is sort of a cultural heritage that is a dying heritage because it's not well-known and it's not necessarily being as fewer people hand weave carpets right the tradition is being slowly lost and so i feel hmm. like like it's it's so cool because it's practical first of all Mm -hmm. it's so practical um but obviously also beautiful to have that be part of the making process um but it seems like not not wanting to take away from their cultural tradition but it seems like the idea of singing your pattern would be so useful in a lot of and teaching and teaching exactly that well i mean mm -hmm. in the same way like i i came two things came to mind as you were talking about it one is Mm -hmm. um did you ever watch the Berenstain Bears when you were a child? Yes. Constantly. Right? For sure. Constantly. Do you remember the one where like one of the one of the bears, like the cheer at like I think a hockey game is knit one, pearl two. And I, that came to mind. Like in one sense, we kind of have some of those kinds of things that we have little like rhymes to go along with things. This is just really taking it to another level. I also thought about um like how anytime that you're doing things and you do it to music, whether it's cleaning your house or um, like an assembly line type of a situation, any of those things, mm. when you put music to it, it changes the process and that rhythm that you get from it, it that mm-hmm. makes so much sense. I Well, because then you have two forms of memory. Yeah. Like a tangible memory and well, a and muscle memory. It's, it, it makes me think also of like, I mean, it was a scene that it was also represent. It's a thing that was also represented in a scene in Outlander where the women folk were dying wool. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the scene in the show was famously they were using urine and they were drinking alcohol. So they would have to go to the bathroom more and they were being so naughty while they did their chores. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but they had a song they sang because they were all holding this very large piece of fabric together and they had to work in rhythm and so the song yeah. was used because their arms were moving not mm-hmm. unlike what we have machines for now right well so i think this is this must be there must be no pun intended common threads of this approach to pattern purveyance throughout cultures yeah, yeah. and there are specific things in lace making mm-hmm. uh called spe- specific songs called lace tells okay and cool. they are also like all of the women making lace in a place would sing these lace tells. Usually they were stories. I've I've got copies of a bunch of them from uh our my lace guild St. Catherine's Day celebration every mm-hmm. year, which must be coming up. Um but Unfortunately, we won't get together and sing them, but we sing them in jump over candlesticks. And it is, it's very fun. And it, it does seem like such a human thing that we all sort of gravitate to, whether it's to occupy the mind while doing something with your hands mm-hmm. or whether to help your hands 
be occupied with the work. Ding. Sorry. Hands occupied would be. Do we have to like pay a royalty for saying that? Just not yet. Okay. But maybe someday, baby. (laughs) All right. Well, I got away. Got away with it this time. (laughs) All right. Anyway, Uh. so that there are. Three videos that go along with this person's research. And so I will link to them and also the PhD project page. I can't wait to watch those videos. That sounds really cool. Really, really cool. But you will definitely see how they it might have been a jarring change from what i was listening to before <laughs> yes okay <laughs> yeah it's yeah it's it's so neat thank you for sharing it with us i'm excited yeah. <laughs> yeah well the one the second thing i wanted to share with you guys today was um a really quick story of handmade gifting success yes <laughs> no train of shame here Woohoo. <laughs> um so yeah, I had a phone call with my uh my sister-in-law yesterday, my husband's sister. Um and her daughter is about 2 now. And I recently had sent a gift and it was this um crochet rainbow softy that I had made for my blog, but I specifically made it in a with a toddler to gift to in mind. Yes. Right. Um and toddler gifting can be a little bit of a crapshoot. <laughs> Whether or not they'll like any gift, uh-huh. whether or not it's handmade. Yes. <laughs> um, so I was on the phone with my sister-in-law, and she was like, oh, I have to tell you, my daughter is obsessed with that rainbow toy you gave her. Yes. Yay. That is um, a and so big here's, win. Here's the text history about this rainbow. Yes. Um, I forgot to tell you, she has to have it to sleep, and in general, and then dot, dot, dot. She lost her shit last night, lol. She couldn't find it in her bed and was like, rainbow! <laughs> and I had to turn the lights on and find it, lol. It was like a foot from her face. <laughs> oh. So I just thought I'd briefly share that really oh, funny story. <laughs> that, I mean, once you've reached that status, yeah, the completely, like, the meltdown if you don't have it status, like, you yeah. are clearly some kind of magical being <laughs> and it's funny because i i screwed up the rainbow and made it um red to purple instead of purple to red um and i was like your kid's not gonna understand rainbows and it's gonna be her creative aunt's fault ah <laughs> uh, you know but you could use it as a teaching moment there you well go. i and also then she can be real smart and be like but these colors should be reversed <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm going to also just make her a correct one just so she has more than one in case there's a middle of the night rainbow meltdown again. <laughs> yeah, I, I had bad idea. two blankies mm-hmm, for yeah. that very reason, although I knew the difference. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, that sounds right. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so rainbow! Rainbow! <laughs> oh, that's delightful. Yes. Yeah, that made my day. <laughs> As it should. Uh, okay. <laughs> So here is what I have actually been working on lately. I have wanted for a long time to really feel comfortable doing continental style knitting. Yes. And, and huzzah, I've, huzzah. I know. I, I've, I've wanted to. And literally as I sit here, I am, I am not continental knitting. I am throwing, sort of. I'm doing my own version of throwing. 
But uh, that the transition phase is real. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I had started this project before, and I need to do the whole the same the whole way through. Otherwise, I will have a really weird looking sweater. But um, <laughs> I think Haley, I think you were the one that said you need to have a project that you do all the way through on, with continental style. So I working on a hat, and I am doing it continental. It is. It is uh, two by two ribbing, so I am going back and forth between knitting and purling. Mm-hmm. Isn't it so much faster? Uh, no, I'm so much slower right now. <laughs> <laughs> my yeah, mom is this. like, my mom is like, why is that taking you so long? You're usually so much faster than that. And I was like, well, I'm trying to learn a new method, but it is really, it has slowed me down right now. Uh, I mean, figuring out how to purl continental was a learning curve and then I got the thumb movement down just right. Well, and that's and just it. I have lo- looked at so many different versions that people use for it that I'm like so I'm like, okay, this one everyone says it's wonderful and I tried it and I was like, no, this no, feels I don't terrible. Think and then uh, you know, he does it the same. And my economy of motion is <laughs> laughable. Yeah. I, um, should we explain what continental knitting yes. is? Yes. So if you are, whether you're a knitter or not, you may not be familiar with continental knitting, but it's where you hold the yarn in your, well, I guess, I mean, typically your left hand, but I suppose if you knit the reverse way, if you're left-handed, it's non-dominant. your non-dominant hand, yeah. Um, as opposed to throwing where you're holding the yarn in your dominant hand and wrapping it around um, the needle. So continental knitting there's like less movement right would we say this so therefore it speeds yeah. up ideally your ideally less movement yes yeah uh and as i'm watching heidi uh every yeah. you know when when the knitting pops into the video chat every so often it's like bing 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 and she's just you know <laughs> zipping through this and my friend katie is like super fast and she just so she's and I'm like, really fast she's really fast like yeah i had to deal through this transition though too myself and like I don't know what year it was, 2013 or 14. And it was a pain in the butt. But once I got through the, te- like, perfecting my technique, yeah. my tension was so much more consistent. Intarsia yeah. became a non-issue for me tension-wise. Like, tension was just solved yeah. once I took the time to basically, like, tear apart my technique to the foundation. Yeah. And then switch to con- and then switching to Continental was the easiest way to fully revisit everything that I'd learned poorly as like an eight-year-old through my own bad habits. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why my tension has improved so much. And see, I've not really found that with throwing that I've had lots of tension issues personally. Mm -hmm. I've usually been a fairly even knitter. So changing techniques, my tension now, of course, is a little weird. (laughs) Uh, It's not horrible, but it's a little weird. Uh, and you're like, I know I'm better than this. I, yeah. <laughs> so, well, so I guess the question is, how long should I expect this transition to take? Especially if I also, at the same time, have to be working on another project that is not continental <laughs> style. Uh, I mean, you need to only do. You need to wait with the switch. If you do them both at the same time, I don't think it'll work. I don't know. What do you think, Heidi? I mean, I had to also be working when I was making the switch. Um, So I just made sure that on until I got pretty confident and consistent or enough where I felt that I was consistent Mm -hmm. um, for work projects. I was still doing like my 
throwing method. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but I just made a point of some of my projects that I was in control of what they were being easier. So focusing on like easier stitch patterns and like doing like a checked stitch, like a two over two checked stitch, yeah. just aiming for perfection. And yeah. just, it's just the time yeah. to practice. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah, definitely listen to Heidi on this one because I, I was lucky enough that I've learned how to knit several times. And so when I learned as a kid, it was uh, English style or throwing. Mm-hmm. And then I learned to crochet. And by learning to crochet, I got my tension sorted out because yeah. the hold of the yarn is really similar. Yeah. And so I've definitely I, noticed that has helped me since yeah. I've done more crochet. And so I, when I went to, re, to learn knitting again after not having visited it for years, then coming to Continental, not having that muscle memory, like I still can throw. It's just that now, like I felt like I was building muscle memory from the bottom up instead of trying to fight something that was a natural mm-hmm. inclination. Yeah. Yeah. And the one other thing I would say is I, if you really, I, I feel like this is not a tip I hear from people, but it's something that I challenged myself to do when I really was like, I want my technique to be mm-hmm. as consistent as it can be. And I've been told that that's the thing I'm known for now. So <laughs> I put in the time and it was like a year and I didn't have a choice and I had to do two techniques at the same time, but I think it was worth it. Um, Cause I also, I the last, yeah. the last thing I did when I was like, okay, I want to, I want to really think, I want to really challenge myself to see if I know continental knitting. I took knitting to the movies whenever I could. Okay. Oh, my best friend does that. Except Mm -hmm. for like with stitch patterns. So I had to memorize the stitch pattern and do it blind. (laughs) Because I'm a maniac. uh... (laughs) I grew up in the classical music world. We have like, when I learn something, I go crazy. Um, It's not like, like, I don't think it's necessarily like, a thing anyone ever has to do but I was like I think I will know I've got this down yeah when I can do it without looking yeah and I really wanted to be able to watch movies and knit so yeah <laughs> I was motivated yeah, oh, yeah that'll do it that'll uh that would make a big difference all right okay so Sorry. so you're saying that a year would be very realistic I to think that it I feel like out. a year if I'm being honest especially since you were working in this field yeah and you're going to have to do more than one technique and you're on deadlines and you can't just be like, I have these many drills for my technique to do today, like a maniac. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if you want to just not put pressure on it and just let it happen. Okay. Yeah. I would say a year. Okay. See, this is good. Expectations. I don't know if I'm talking too much in this whole episode. but You're fine. Actually, we've <laughs> all been talking a lot in this episode yeah. and we should wrap up for the day. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Okay. We all kind of are technique freaks though. So I think that's why we just got excited. Yeah. I'm very excited you're doing this, Molly, though. If you I, want any tips, okay. let me know. All right. Uh, or even yeah. just, you can do it. Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> all, all and you totally can. Yeah. Uh, we'll, I'll, be, I'll probably talk to you about good tensioning uh, yeah. tips as, along the way. But for now, we will wrap up. Oh, the, posture the also. Since oh, you're learning yeah. an entirely n- new muscle memory, now is an excellent time to learn how to do it with 
the best posture okay. possible because okay. I didn't and it hurts. <laughs> <laughs> I believe right. you. Yeah. Um, and, and I suppose maybe on that note. Sure. <laughs> uh, thanks for listening to the Very Serious Crafts podcast. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Serious Crafts and on Facebook at Very Serious Crafts. You can also find show notes and all things Very Serious Crafts at VerySeriousCrafts.com. And finally, if you're a fan of the Very Serious Crafts podcast, please leave us a five-star review on whichever platform you use to listen to podcasts. Good ratings help us show up in recommendations, which helps more people who love crafting find us. Yeah. And we're delightful, so. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that. (laughs) It was lovely talking to you, ladies. It was. And, uh, yeah. Happy tensioning. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Maybe I just need to, like learn like a song to help me with it and then it will all go well (laughs) you stab the fish in the eye and then you bring up the loop (laughs) no no i'll make you a song okay thank you i approve all right can you please i I feel like that should be for our next episode everybody should bring a song uh okay all right and i'll stab the fish in the eye and then you bring up the loop (laughs) 